Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. This morning's passage is out of Matthew chapter 9. It's the last piece of the series. Matthew 9, 27 through 38. So as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man was demon-possessed and could not talk and was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this, his harvest field. May God add his blessing as we continue. Thank you for having mercy upon each one of us. Thank you for being a good, good God. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And you may run if you're a kid. No, wait, I don't know if that's true. Your parents might yell at you. I won't, though. I have a question. I never asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it this morning. Uh Yeah, I know. How many of you read the title this morning? Put your hand up. I just want to know. All right. How many care about the title of the, t- of the sermon? All right, Amy does. That's good. Jesse does and Kenny. Okay, I just want to know. I-, I just want you to know that I toil over the title of the sermon every week. I toil over it because in my mind, I have to, I have to it kind of sets the course of where the week is going. And you may not know this, but by Tuesday, I'm that secretary we got, she's, she's a slave driver. She just put, she's like, Tuesday, I need the date. I need it. I need the scripture. I need the title. And I need all the music. I'm not even ready. I'm still trying to figure out the week before Tuesday. Not really. She does a good job. But that title, I always, try, I always tell her, I'm going to give you a title, <laughs> but you can't use it until like Thursday because <laughs> I need to make sure that's where I really, God is leading us in the week. And I want to preface this with, <laughs> 
This week had plenty to do. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, and I was reminded this morning about all the things that happened in these four walls this week. And how much time and energy and effort was put forth. The senior banquet had been months in the making. We had Lonzo's uh, showing and funeral. There were Bible studies, the healing journey. We had uh, 20 people on Wednesday night for, for, uh, for uh, Bible study. I want to encourage you, if you're, uh, I want to encourage you to come. Uh, I want to see if we can fill up that whole room and have to move. That's my goal. Maybe we'll have to move outside. I don't know where we'll move to. But we had a great discussion for an hour and 10 minutes, and we had to quit because kids had to, were getting out and they needed to take their parents home to get to bed. So many things, so many people involved in all of these different things that are going on um, that are called ministry. And I want to I, I preface today's script, the sermon with the understanding that this is not poking at the things we don't do, but rather reminding us that we're on the right track and asking ourselves in the process, are there things that God is leading me to, moving me in a direction towards that I am not maybe not doing at this moment? So I don't want you to take it as a... Well, Brentley said this morning, the countdown was heavy. It was a bit heavy, but I think it was heavy enough to remind us about what we're here for. And that's a good thing. Today, we finish up the series that really has connected our mission statement, our mission mandate, right? Which is to be a neighbor, to make neighbors, and to build God's neighborhood. And we have been watching and walking through that uh, as Jesus walked this earth in Matthew chapter 9. And so we've been in Matthew chapter 9 for a whole month. But it felt like it was important to see. Matthew spells out what Jesus' um, ministry of healing looked like. And you may remember that the vision that I believe God has for us is to be a hospital, to help people heal, to grow in their faith, to get healing so that they can share the gospel with others. And so today we see in today's, I, like the, I wrote this down, i got to say it. In today's episode, Jesus will be coming to a very end of, busy end of the day. He's been doing miracles and teachings all day, right? We saw those last week and the week before. He's been doing these miracles. It's been a long day. I guarantee that he was poured out, that he was wore out, that he was feeling the stress of ministry. We see in other spots in his ministry where he had to get on the boat, right? Let's get on the boat and let's get out of here. I need to take a break. I need to take a rest. I need to go to the bottom and get my pillow and take a nap. Let's go to the other side where there's no people. I'm feeling like Jesus was feeling that in this passage. It says he's working his way out of the city. I'm assuming that there's a crowd following him, right? Because that's kind of the historically what would go on. He would do these miracles and be teaching, and people would be following. And the only thing he could do would be to get out of town. In fact, Scripture says in other places that he would slip away. As he's trying to get out, maybe he's going to have a hamburger. I don't know. It doesn't say. 
But he's obviously going out of the town. The scripture this morning starts out with two men who were blind, and we don't know how they got blind or what it took uh, when they had become blind. Whoa. But as he's moving out, I'm assuming that these blind men were in this area just hoping, like the woman who had touched the hem of his garment, to be close enough to be maybe in the, in the way that when Jesus turned around, they would be there and they would be healed from their blindness. Because blindness, especially in that day, would have, they would, what could they do? They were beggars. They barely would subside. Barely make it. And there was no optometrist. I was at the optometrist this week. And they didn't have one of those to be able to check their eyes and see if they could do a surgery or take care of it. And a lot of commentators say that back in that day, that because of uh, the lack of health care and cleanliness, that eye injuries and... uh, um, different viruses and infections would take their eyesight. So, I, so losing your eyes, your eyesight would, would have been a more common thing than it is today. We have ways to stop that or slow that down, right? We know if, uh, if we're dealing with something, we can go and they, um, they do all kinds of things today. Um, shots and creams and uh, cataracts. Someone was just telling me about their cataract surgery and There's so many things they can do today that they couldn't do then. And so as these people realize that Jesus is getting out of town, he's going, what do they say? What do they call him? Son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy. Son of David, that was was like a... uh, a line they said when they were looking for the Messiah. They knew it wasn't uh, King David's son. It was in the lineage of David himself. But when they recognized that he was going to leave and they might not get a chance to talk to him or to, to get healed or even, even just to spend time, they, had, they knew that he could heal them. He says he goes indoors. I don't know if he was trying to slip, you know, give them the slip. I don't know if he stopped for food. I don't know. It doesn't just say. It just says he went indoors. And the blind men figured out where he was. <laughs> and they came to him. And he asked the question he's asking every one of these in this chapter. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe? Do you have faith that I can heal you? Do you have the faith that it takes to be healed. Jesus is pointing at their spiritual issue in the middle of a physical concern. Do you have the faith it takes to be healed? And they answer, yes, Lord. They were in a spot where they didn't have any, there was no other choice. They're blind. They can't see. They're going to be stuck in this for the rest of their life. Their only hope is Jesus. Yes, Lord, I believe you can heal me. And he says, according to your faith, this will be done. And he touches their eyes and they were restored. 
touches their eyes and boom, they can see. They haven't been able to see for a long time. Again, we see Jesus healing a physical infirmity, but asking about the more important infirmity, their spiritual concern. It says, do you have faith? We have a responsibility, church. In today's passage, I've just convinced that Jesus is reminding his disciples, those who are following him, that we have a responsibility to go and to make disciples of all nations, to go and to be committed in our faith, to share our faith with others. I love that video for the plan A part. I just love it. We are the plan A. God wants to use us, not only wants to, he expects to use us. We are the vehicle he's going to use to share his story with us. Guaranteed that if you ask yourself this question, who was the first person who helped me understand my faith, someone will be in your sight. There'll be someone in your mind's eye. Someone will be in front of you, right? There was, for me, it was my grandma. I can remember my grandma taking me to church long before my parents first went. My grandma made sure that I got to church. And then I had a Sunday school teacher. And she wanted to make sure that I understood what the gospel meant. And then my parents helped cement that as I got a little older. And then I went to a summer camp where I recommitted my life and my faith. And I can remember that. I can remember the speaker. I can remember going forward. And then I can remember a good friend who said you need to get life in order for your family. And I can remember the next person and the next person. So I got to quit talking because some of it might be you guys. Those were all people before I was here. But we all have those people who have made a difference in our life. Maybe it was a kind word. Maybe it was a kind action. But those were people in our life that changed our spiritual walk. I actually know one guy. As ridiculous as this might sound, I know one guy who had a track, who got saved from a track. You know what a track is? That's from the 70s, a little, in a phone booth. I know one guy. And as soon as that happened, he had all kinds of other people come along and encourage his faith. Listen, there are people in our path who help us get closer to God. And we all have that responsibility to be disciples the problem is sometimes we're not committed to that. We're like, I'll take my present, but it's just extra to tell someone else about God. That, that countdown said, what about the 6.5 billion people and where are they going for eternity? That's heavy. What used to be a bigger percentage has become a smaller. Do you realize that people, that Christians from other countries are coming to America as missionaries? 
to share the gospel with Americans? They are funding people to come to America to share the gospel with people in America. We have a responsibility. I'm not asking you to go out on the street. I'm not asking you to tell 100 people. What I'm asking you to think about is telling one person or investing time in a small group of people, maybe for your family. Maybe it's a cousin or a work friend. I have a few things I want you to think about in that process. See, because whatever we're committed to transforms a promise into a reality. I believe that we are just absolutely loaded with those who are spiritually blind. Spiritually blind. I appreciate the ministries in this church. But you know what I appreciate even more than that? I appreciate the ministries of people who go and have lunch and ask for prayer for their waitress or who befriend their waitress or waiter. Or if they go through the same line at Walmart and are, or they go to the same store and make friends with people and they get their name. Some of us are better at it than others, there's no doubt. Some of us are just naturals. But I appreciate those people who are willing to put themselves out there. You don't have to beat them with the Bible, but you need to love on them like Jesus loved on us. Jesus is concerned about their physical concerns. But he's more concerned about their, the, the state of their hearts. And church, maybe we need to be a little bit more concerned about the state of their hearts. I want to share something with you real quick. I got 25 of these. I thought about putting them in your bulletins. But then I thought, well, it won't be that. It'll just be in your bulletin like all the other inserts. I have 25 of these, and I gave Brentley 25. If you want to share your faith, and you're not really sure what that means, or how to do that, or how to use the Bible in that process. Long, 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 long time ago, someone told me about the Romans Road. It's legitimately four different passages that walk you through the gospel, that help you help, you help someone else understand the gospel. My encouragement would be to write down in your Bible or mark on them. I, in my Bible, I, mark a, uh, I put a one next to the first one and a two in my Bible so that if I have my Bible anywhere close to me, I can grab it, I can say, here's number one, here's number two. And over the years, I've memorized it because I've, had, I've shared it a gazillion times. If you're interested in sharing your faith, but you're not really sure what that looks like, I want to give you some help. I want to help you walk through that process. And the reason that I have these and that Brentley has these is so that we know who to pray for. Because we're, we're realists. We know that not everyone is here ready to share their faith like that. But if you want a copy, I so want. The last thing I want is 50 copies of this when I get done today. I want you to share your faith, to feel comfortable, and let other people understand your testimony. 
your story, how God worked in your life. I promise you that if you take a paper and you study, God is going to, I know this is scary, put somebody in your path. He's worried about hearts. Broken hearts. You know, there's an interesting piece in this passage. Did you see in verse, chat, verse 30, what does Jesus tell them after they get their eyesight? Don't you say a word. Don't say a word. He, do, he doesn't say it even nicely. In the Greek, it's one of the strongest reprimands. I love this. Uh, it says it's the kind of reprimand when you uh, pull your eyebrows and lower them. I know a couple people that do that. <laughs> Some people, we can read their face by their eyebrows, right? Even if they have a mask. I love it. <laughs> you know those people, right? You can read their face even with an, without. That's the kind of reprimand Jesus had for these people. Don't say a word to anyone. Any ideas why? <coughs> Excuse me. Any ideas why? I choked again. Choke on my saliva. That was weird. Any ideas why he would say, don't tell anybody? What's that? Hostile situation. It wasn't time. You're not wrong because it doesn't tell us why, right? Here's the other half. If you got your eyesight, are you going to keep your mouth shut? <laughs> Are you going to be able to run in the street? If you're blind, you aren't going to run in the street, are you? You're not going to, you're not going to be uh, screaming and hollering and doing your normal thing. You have been changed. And Jesus knew they were going to say anything anyway, but it wasn't the time. And Jesus didn't want that taking away from what his real plan and uh, message was. They saw the physical attributes being changed, but these people had faith issues that were changed how about the next guy the guy that was demon possessed did you see he couldn't talk he couldn't say an intelligible word and again jesus is trying to get out of town and runs into him right someone's like hey i got this guy who's demon possessed and he needs your healing and he brings him up It doesn't tell us what the demon-possessed man said. Any suggestions of what he might have said? I'll bet he was praising God that he was healed. I'll bet he was praising God and thankful that God had taken away that demon. Let me ask you, what would you say if you were healed? It says he went through all the towns and villages teaching and preaching the good news. Did you notice the good news of the kingdom was before the healing and disease of the sickness? His faith, faith was the focus, was it not? 
Faith was the focus of Jesus' ministry here. Sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes I get it backwards. When I go and visit someone in the hospital, maybe I need to be a little bit more intentional about asking about faith in that context and a little less intentional about the physical attributes of that. He ends by telling the disciples that the harvest is plenty. Help wanted. Have you noticed on Buffalo Road, I laugh. I don't laugh. It's not laughing a funny part, but it's a laughing. We went past Perkins, it was a help wanted. We went past McDonald's, it was a help wanted. We went to Arby's, was having open interviews, which was help wanted. Aldi's has a help wanted. Uh, it was either Pizza Hut or KFC this week had help wanted. There's plenty of harvest and not near enough workers. And same here in the church. Same here in the church. Maybe we need to be more intentional about praying for those who are in our friends, our family, our connections who aren't believers. I don't know where we're at at the end times, but I can tell you we're getting closer, right? We're a day closer. I don't know, uh, and if you do, I'm scared because Scripture's pretty plain. <laughs> Jesus said, I don't know. <laughs> so if you know, I'm concerned. Here's the reality. We need to be praying for those we come in contact with, praying for those we might come in contact with, praying for our sisters and brothers, for our our family members, for those opportunities to share. Time is short. Time is short. If you've never seen this, I like this because I think it reminds me how it works with God. You ever been on one side of a big ravine? You figure out that doesn't seem like it's that far across it, and yet, in order to get across, I'm going to have to go a really, really, really long ways if I can even get down and up the other side. And we're on one side in our sin, and God is in His holiness on the other side, and there's no way in between except Jesus. He's the piece of the puzzle that allows us into heaven. He's the perfect sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they would have a sacrifice on a regular basis. They would find the perfect lamb. The Jews would get and sacrifice the perfect lamb. But it didn't cover their sins forever. It covered them for a time, and they would have to redo that, and redo that, and redo that. And then the Lamb, the Lamb of God, came and took care of that once and for all. If you don't have that relationship this morning, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out today. 
You're missing out for tomorrow and you're missing out of eternity. Sure, God would love to heal your physical issues, but really what he wants is your heart. He wants your heart. He wants my heart and your heart. Why? Because he loves us so. He sent his son that we would have a, the opportunity for eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you this morning for this passage, for this reminder that Jesus was most concerned about the things that we should be most concerned about as well. The spiritual well-being of his people. And so, Lord, this morning I pray for anyone who hasn't made that decision. They may know all about it, may have thought all about it, and have read all the verses, but spiritually their heart is dead. Or as in 2 Corinthians says, their heart is blind. Lord, I pray this morning that you would awaken their heart. Soften their heart and their soul. That they would come to you. And Lord, for those of us who understand and believe and are following after you, remind us in those moments when we come in contact with a non-believer. Someone, Lord, who hasn't made a decision to follow you. Lord, put upon our heart. Break our heart. So that we might help them understand the difference that you make in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.